This is the only podcast that gives you a 20-minute guarantee. Give us 20 minutes of your life, and if you're not completely satisfied, you'll, you'll get, get your, your minutes, minutes back. back. No, no questions, questions asked. asked. It's a Minor Detail Podcast. This is Mask Alabama. We are an unarmed freighter. We have a potential piracy situation. Copy, Alabama. You should alert your crew. Get your fire hoses ready. The chances are it's just fishermen. They're not here to fish. They were definitely not there to fish. That is a clip from the movie Captain Phillips with the great Tom Hanks. We play that for you here at the top because this is the anniversary of the actual incident the movie was made about. April 8th, 2009. Pirates had not captured a ship sailing under the American flag since the 1820s, but they did on this day in 2009. That's when the Maersk, Alabama was hijacked off the coast of Somalia. Really, piracy had become a thing of the past, we all thought. But... That changed it all right there. And of course, they made the movie, and the controversy began. We're going to look into that just a little bit here today on the podcast. Oh, by the way, this is also the day that Hank Aaron hit his historic home run, April 8th of 1974. The late Hank Aaron hit his 715th career home run, breaking Babe Ruth's record. Crowd of 53,775 at Atlanta's Fulton County Stadium saw that. It's amazing to think... The All-Star Game this year in Atlanta was going to pay tribute to the great Hammer and Hank Aaron. Uh, But then baseball, of course, couldn't get over themselves, and they screwed that all up. And now the game's going to be in Colorado. Just another part of our world that is all messed up. Had somebody drop me an email yesterday, and they said, are you going to talk about the governor and Tucker Carlson on your podcast? I am not going to get into it directly Those who are following the story and those who follow me on social media know how I feel about it, but I have made a promise to those close to me that I will steer away from the subject of what is being discussed between the governor and Tucker Carlson. Now, I know you're saying, well, wait a minute, it's your podcast. You're supposed to go no holds barred. Well, my holds are barred on this one. So you can follow along. If you follow me on social media, I kind of keep you updated on what's going on with that. There was discussion for the second time last night on Tucker's show about it. I will just say this, and here I go. I'm getting into it, but I'm, I'm going to just tread lightly here. The governor was on once. He made statements that could be classified as, if not untrue, definitely misleading when he was on Tucker's show the first time. Last night, they cleared up some of those things that could be untrue, but at least misleading last night, so... Uh, you guys can uh, follow along on social media, and, and and I know you're saying, well, why why can you talk about it on social media but not on your podcast? I have uh, I have made a promise that I will not. So we'll just uh, stick with that. All right, let's hop in the time machine. We've had fun doing this uh, during the year anniversary of the pandemic, and it was a year ago today we reported on this story. A 26 year old man in California allegedly punched his mother for hiding toilet paper from him. Adrian Yan, arrested and charged with battery after an argument over TP, escalated into a physical confrontation. Yan wanted toilet paper, started getting upset because his mother was hiding it. She told authorities she hid it because he was using too much. If you remember a year ago at this time, we were heavy in the middle of the toilet paper shortage. We were in a shortage of everything, including Lysol and hand wipes. And of course, now we are finding out that that whole thing was a scam. CDC is now telling us that you can't catch COVID by touching surfaces. So man, the folks at Lysol and uh, the folks at Walmart, 
and Target. They made a ton of money over the last year over something that didn't need to happen. So that's uh, good to know now. Thank you, CDC. Every night and every day. All right, last night on The Mass Singer, that was the Bulldog right there. As Group B took the Masked Singer stage Wednesday night for a spot in the Super 8, another wildcard contestant, the Bulldog, entered the competition and surprised everyone with a special doggy treat. So, who was it in that Bulldog suit? It was Nick Cannon. I dedicated my performance because you truly are a queen and you stepping in for me when, you know, during my sickness, during a hard time for me. Yeah, Nick had missed the first half of the season as the host because he had COVID. So he came back last night. He was the Bulldog. And we understand he will return as the regular host next week. All right, let's give it up to the Cherokee Nation. They announced today they've donated more than $6.3 million to 107 school districts during the tribe's annual Public School Appreciation Day that was held virtual. This year's disbursement is the largest since the tribe began its annual contributions in 2002. They also allocate 38% of their annual car tag revenue directly to education. The principal chief, Chuck Hoskin, said this year has been particularly challenging to school teachers, administrators, students, and parents alike. School districts in Adair, Cherokee, Craig, Delaware, Mays, Muskogee, Nowata, Osage, Ottawa, Rogers, Sequoia, Tulsa, Wagner, and Washington counties all got money from the Cherokee Nation. All right, so uh, gun legislation is coming. We knew that was coming, and it got started today. The president announced some executive orders today to go after things that are called ghost guns. Now, I'm not a gun owner. Don't own one. Don't have any problem with people who do. But I just don't have one myself personally. Should get an expert on here to talk about this. But I'm going to go by what they sent out, which is dangerous, I understand. Ghost guns are handmade or self-assembled firearms that don't have serial numbers. Some can be fabricated in as little as 30 minutes using kits and parts purchased online. The president is directing the Justice Department to issue a proposed rule to stop the proliferation of those weapons. Another would target stabilizing braces for pistols. Uh, They aid in the weapon's accuracy and manage recoil. Under the new rule, the devices, which the senior administration official contended turned pistols into short-barreled rifles, would be covered by regulations in the National Firearms Act, including requiring registration. Last month's mass shooter in Boulder used a pistol modified with an arm brace, according to a law enforcement source. He also wants to announce new investments in intervention programs in violence-prone communities, a directive to the Justice Department to publish model red flag laws for states that allow the temporary removal of guns from people deemed at high risk of harming themselves or others, and a comprehensive report on firearms trafficking. So those were done today, and I'm sure there's more coming. He also has announced who is going to be running the ATF now, and he is a guy who is a gun control advocate, which we felt that was going to happen. And so, look, When you're elected, you get to hire who you want, and that's who he is putting up there. A gun control advocate will now run the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives. The other story that raised a few eyebrows yesterday was this story about United Airlines. So after they halted hiring during the pandemic, they're now planning to bring on hundreds of pilots, and they're launching a flight school to prepare the next generation for the cockpit. So they're going to train 5,000 new pilots. They bought their own flight school, and they want half of them to be women or people of color. Now, I am 
Now I have no problem with diversity. I think it's fantastic. But I want somebody flying my plane who has a little experience. Uh, they're basically going to take anybody that wants to apply. They're going to train them to fly and uh, put them up there. I want somebody with some experience up there flying my plane. So I have a feeling that for the next few years, I will probably pick maybe a different airline. But that's just me. You make your own decision. But I want somebody experienced up there, whether they are white, black, green. Now, green is good because aliens, they're used to flying. So I'm good with that. As long as they've got experience, I'm good with that. I mean, how many times do you hear a spaceship crashing? Never, right? So they've got to be pretty good, the aliens do. So let's get the people up there that need to be flying. So we'll see how this all works out. All right, we're going to jump into 10 After Laughter just a tad bit early today. This guy's one of my favorite comics. Andy Hendrickson on 10 After Laughter. I used to have an office job. I used to work in this really small office. It was 13 people, 10 women. Yeah. Yeah, first day was like, sweet. <laughs> Two weeks later, I was like, dear God, save me. I love these women, but sometimes little tiny things would get blown way out of proportion. You know, I'd walk into the break room like, hey, what's wrong? Oh, Betsy, she just took the last cup of coffee. She didn't even make a new pot. It says right on the wall next to the coffee machine. You kill it, you fill it. Great job you get to sleep in as a comic. I love that. My whole family, they're all early birds. This conversation happened last time I was home visiting. My mom goes, I like to get up at 6 a.m. My brother's like, I like to get up at 7 a.m. Like, oh, I like to add those together, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Wake up at 13. <laughs> Sometimes I multiply them and stay in bed for two days. That's a, <laughs> that's a math joke about depression. Yeah. <laughs> so. Good to be here. I flew in, flew in. I uh, yeah, I do a lot of traveling. I like the airport. That's the only place you get to see people who are really out of shape running at full speed. You know, like, <laughs> if you were late for everything, you'd be in really good shape, buddy. Uh oh, Cinnabon. That'll stop you right in your tracks. The Starbucks every 10 feet at the airport. It's my favorite. I stopped at a Starbucks at the airport over the holidays a few years ago. They're doing a promotion. They asked me if I wanted to buy a pound of coffee to send off to the troops. I was like, sure, I'll do that. Then the lady puts me on the spot. She goes, well, we write him a message and we send it to him. What kind of message do you want to send? I'm like, geez, I don't know. Uh, stay alert, maybe? <laughs> Put that kind of pressure on me, lady. I'm getting coffee here. You got me writing letters to soldiers. <laughs> I just get the small cup of coffee at the Starbucks. That's how they hook you. It's the gateway drug to all the other stuff they sell there, right? You buy a small cup of coffee, you're hanging out, people are typing stuff, there's weird music on. Feel like you're part of something. Finally, one day you break down, like, hey, can I get one of those frozen things with the whipped cream right there? They got you. You're in the Starbucks rabbit hole now. I've seen it happen, the people ordering in front of me, like, hi, can I get the half-calf decaf soy latte, caramel macchiata, skinny, two pumps of vanilla, no foam, no whip, shot of espresso, make that cold, light ice, three sugars, a Splenda, and a sweet and low, grande and a vintage cup with room for cream. Like, how the heck do you not order that? <laughs> that used to be coffee. <laughs> the person behind the counter is even more amazing. They're like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> What, you got a chip in your brain? 
There's uh, Andy Hendrickson on 10 After Laughter. All right, we told you at the top of the show, this is the 12th anniversary of the day that the Maersk, Alabama, was captured by pirates. This, of course, was made into the movie Captain Phillips with Tom Hanks. And we told you there was some controversy after the movie came out. So the film premiered on October 11th of 2013, Captain Phillips. And in an interview on the set of the movie, Phillips describes his devotion to his crew, his feeling of success as a captain, and his eagerness to get back to sea. My crew were now safe because the pirates lost their ladder and boat when they boarded the Maersk, Alabama, so they couldn't get back on board. For me, it was really a relief. My crew and ship were safe. Well, since the release of the movie, there's been controversy over its portrayal of Phillips, several crew members claiming he was not the hero presented in the film, according to lawsuits filed by more than half of the crew of the Maersk, Alabama. Crew members claim Phillips was at least partly at fault for an insistence on being fast and making money. Now, if you don't know about this, there were warnings that went out that told the captain not to go into those waters. When asked in 2013 why he decided not to take the ship farther offshore, he said, I don't believe 600 miles would make you safe. I didn't believe 1,200 miles would make you safe. As I told the crew, it would be a matter of when, not if. We were always in that area. Again, some of the uh, lawsuits were settled. The actual filmmakers even settled some lawsuits with some people who were shown in the movie not to be in the best of light. And if you wondered about Captain Phillips, well, he did return to the sea 14 months after the pirate attack, started sailing as the master of the vehicle carrier, the Green Bay, until he was finally retired in October of 2014. He's 65 years old now, still lives with his wife, Andrea, in uh, Massachusetts. So the Maersk, Alabama, hijacked by Somali pirates on this day in 2009. Well, as you know, this is also the day that officially Kurt Cobain's body was found. He committed suicide on the 5th. We told you yesterday it was the day that Courtney Love was arrested for a drug overdose and at the time didn't know her husband had been dead for two days laying in a greenhouse there in Seattle. And today is the official day that they found the body of Kurt there in Seattle. An electrician arrived to set up a security system, found Kurt there. Still very sad. And we end the show today with this. Is this animal dangerous? Dave, you've heard of the Komodo dragon, right? Yeah. Okay. The Komodo dragon gets like big as this whole desk here. One day I'll bring him on here. But their bite is lethal, the bacteria. This is the second largest lizard in the world. Uh The Nile, the... This is a monitor? Asian water monitor. Monitor water monitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now, do you see what he's doing? He's feeling. Put uh, your hand there. Put your no, hand there. He'll no. feel the heat. But now, it, it, could he kill me? Could this animal kill me? He wouldn't kill you here. He'd bite you, and then you'd go to the hospital, and you'd have to have your hand probably either, like, cut open or you know, worse is that you wouldn't have a hand. But, but the bacteria, the bacteria is what gets oh, you. Oh, the bacteria is what bacteria. gets you. Now, now, how come the bacteria doesn't affect him? Pool. <laughs> That's like, that's like asking me, how come a bee sting doesn't affect the bee? Or how come, how come any animal is like this? Yeah. Like a rattlesnake doesn't die from his own venom. I mean, okay. that's a stupid right. question. Sure. Anyway. That is uh, the incredible Jack Hanna, whose appearances with animals on The Carson Show and Letterman and James Corden became required viewing. Anytime he was going to be on, you had to make sure you were in front of the TV because you got to see the animals and you got to hear the incredible personality of Jack Hanna, all the great interaction he had with the hosts. It was amazing. 
Well, yesterday it was announced by his family that Jack Hanna has dementia. He started out with dementia, now believed to be Alzheimer's disease. This is a letter his family released yesterday. So today we reach out to share some personal Hanna family news. Doctors have diagnosed our dad, Jack, with dementia, now believed to be Alzheimer's disease. His condition has progressed much faster in the last few months than any of us could have anticipated. Sadly, Dad is no longer able to participate in public life as he used to, where people all over the world watched, learned, and laughed alongside him. A passion for wildlife conservation and education has been at the core of who our dad is and everything he's accomplished with the help of so many. He has spent his life connecting people and wildlife because he's always believed that having people see and experience animals is key to engaging them in more impactful conservation efforts. He's always said, you have to touch the heart to teach the mind. Even though dad is no longer able to travel and work in the same way, we know that his infectious enthusiasm has touched many hearts and will continue to be his legacy. The Columbus Zoo and Aquarium has been a major part of our lives since we moved to Central Ohio as young girls in 1978. From day one, dad advocated for improved wildlife habitats and focused on connecting the community with animals. After he left his active management role as executive director, he continued to be a spokesperson for the zoo until his retirement last year. Dad loves the Columbus Zoo and the wilds and has great appreciation for the hundreds of employees and volunteers who work extremely hard each day to care for the animals and ensure an incredible experience for the family who visit. Our mom Susie has been by his side for 53 years in every corner of the world. She continues to be his rock and ours too. We have great respect and admiration for mom as we move through not only his difficult time with dad, but also Julie's continued lifelong challenges from her childhood leukemia as she is currently recovering from major surgery. While dad's health has deteriorated quickly, we can assure you his great sense of humor continues to shine through. And yes, he still wears his khakis at home. To keep everyone safe in light of COVID-19 restrictions, we're asking for privacy, which is ironic given dad's love of interacting with people. We're grateful that the many hearts he's touched over the years are with him during his journey, which gives us strength. Thank you, and we appreciate your understanding, Kathleen, Suzanne, and Julie Hanna. Very, very sad. You get teary-eyed when I think about it. What an incredible man, and what an awful, awful disease this is. I hope that one day we can turn a corner on it because it has taken away so many people that we love. Well, that's going to wrap up the show today. Hope you enjoyed it. Have yourself a great Thursday. Back tomorrow with a special Friday spinning class. It has something to do with what we went through this week. And we'll tell you about that tomorrow. Saturday, we'll have the spinning class as well. And on Saturday, it's all about 2006 because it's going to be Hannah's 15th birthday on Sunday. And we're going to talk about the year that changed my life, 2006, Saturday on the spinning class. Have a great day. Jess, tell them where they can find us. Well, that's a wrap. Reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram. Questions and comments, email us, minordetailpodcast at gmail.com. Want to get a hold of us? Need to let us know something? We want to know about it. Hit up our 24-hour hotline, 479-388-1638. That's 479-388-1638. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and more. A Minor Detail Podcast, copyright 2020, the Radio Voice Productions, LLC. I'm Jess, and I'm out.